Our scripture reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 7. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. It can be found on page 1020 in the Pew Bible. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Good morning. It is good to see each of you, and it's good to be together to worship God, to think about a life of service to God is what we want to emphasize all month. We think about what it means to give our life in service to God, but keep in mind, we can't give our life for God until we're first ready to give our life in service to God. Uh, about the previous announcement, do keep in mind, uh, I, I think I failed to mention it at all, but, but keep in mind that uh, the request is for this to stay off social media until tomorrow uh, when the team is, is on the way home. Out of all the ways that God could begin talking to us about our spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, it cannot be looked at lightly that he began by saying, now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, the very fact that he would say that implies you've been ignorant about this. And the fact that he mentions you've been ignorant about it is to say this is too important. You can't go through life continually being ignorant about this and be what you need to be. And then it implies, so what I'm about to share with you is information that will equip you and overcome your ignorance. What do you know about spiritual gifts? Right now, if you had to take out a blank sheet of paper and just write, this is what I know God teaches. This is what I know God teaches about spiritual gifts. Would you stare at your paper a while and say, I guess I'm ignorant too. Now keep in mind, that can lead to a lot of problems. When we think about ignorance, we are in a culture, in a society where we're comfortable and it's quite all right to be ignorant in a lot of things. Right now, if someone rushed in and said, we need someone in here to perform open heart surgery, would there be anyone that would say, sure, I'm, I'm good to do that? Most of us are probably ignorant about that. Not as many, but most are even ignorant about how to rebuild an engine and, and an automobile. Others are ignorant about how to wire a house or how to fly a plane or how to raise a thousand acres of wheat or how to build a smartphone or a computer or a tablet. And you know, all of us ought to be very thankful that even though individually we, don't, we do not know how to do all those things, isn't it wonderful that there are people around us that are not ignorant? Thank God that there are people around us that are not ignorant about that. Because for most here, 
Either you have or you will have a need for a surgeon. And what you will want on that day is you'll want someone who is not ignorant about surgery. Also, we think about the fact that we lean every day almost upon the transportation through automobiles. And yet every car we drive is eventually going to break down. It's nice on those days to have people around us that are not ignorant about those repairs. When we think about every day, we flip on light switches and we enjoy the, the, the modern provisions of electricity. Why? Because there are people around us that are not ignorant about this and even the transportation through air. There'll be many in this room this week that will fly somewhere. And isn't it wonderful that there are folks that are not ignorant. And you'll even sit down today and you'll bite into a dinner roll, even though you may not know how to raise wheat. You see, there's a lot of things that in our culture, especially in the 21st century, where we are so richly blessed with so many things, so many abilities uh, around us on display, that we grow very comfortable saying, how many of us have said, you know, I don't know much about computers, but I know how to operate one. I don't know much about how to repair a car, but, but I know how to drive one. It's fine to have that attitude about a lot of things. But here's what I want to challenge you this month. If your attitude about your spiritual gifts has kind of been that same way, oh, I really don't know much about spiritual gifts, but I know that I like the congregation I go to and, and, and we just do things there. That's not good enough. The Lord says, do not be ignorant about these things. And so what is it that the Lord would say to us in this? Well, in verse one, we see now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. And then in verse two, he goes back to a time that those people in Corinth were ignorant just to use as a transition statement. Look what he says in two. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. How much, how much intelligence does an idol have? Here's this wooden object, this stone object. Can you see what he's doing here? He's saying, do you remember the time in your life where you were so ignorant, you followed an ignorant idol? And then, don't you love the way he closes that verse, however you were led? In other words, it's almost like he's throwing his hands up and said, I don't even know how you let an idol lead you. It has no intelligence. And so it's almost like he said, I can't explain it. But you remember you were that way. And see, now what he's doing is he's showing them, see how foolish you can be when you're in ignorance. But see, they didn't stay there. They learned that the idol was ignorant and they learned about the almighty, all-loving, all-knowing, true, powerful God. So now their life was very different. Now they weren't led by dumb idols. Now they were led by the almighty God. But see, now he's flipping that back around to say, now what if while you're being led by the all-knowing God, what if you're not knowing, so that's combating ignorance, what if you're not knowing what he wants you to know about your spiritual gifts? You see, the way they had been misusing their spiritual gifts, it had caused division. It caused some to rise up in arrogance and to look down upon others. And so the way they were misusing their gifts was leading to pride and causing division. 
And so he knows that, that it's because of their ignorance that they're doing that. Now, I suppose others could be doing that very same thing through rebellion, but he doesn't accuse them or identify in their lives that their problem is rebellion. He's saying, your problem is you really don't understand why I have given you spiritual gifts and the source of spiritual gifts. Now, you hear that this morning? Those two things are very important. Are we very much aware of the source of our spiritual gifts and are we very much aware of why he gives them? I'd like for you to notice as we're about to read, and, and we don't have this on the slide, so I hope you open your Bibles and read 4, 5, and 6, and then we'll talk about 4, 5, and 6 in just a moment. But look at 4, 5, and 6, and I'd like for you to notice how we have the word diversities three times, and we have the word same three times. Here's how it reads. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences, which in the Greek, that's the very same word for, diff, for diversities. I don't know why they changed that up there. It'd be better to have that consistency. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Now on this next slide, notice how we, we see the idea of what is different and what is the same. We see that there are differences in gifts, in ministries, and actions or works in the Lord's kingdom. But it all comes from the same God. It all works in the same Godhead's work. Now why, if that's the case, did Paul, who really is speaking on behalf of God, why didn't God just use the word God each time? Why didn't he say the diversity of gifts, but the same God? Diversity of ministries, but the same God. Diversity of act activities or works, but the same God. Well, I believe the reason he uses each member of the Godhead is because that's a perfect example of how in the roles that you fulfill, you can be diversified, but yet be of the same in work, and the same in unity, and the same in love. Do you realize that in the Godhead, God the Father carries out a different role than God the Son. And God the Spirit carries out a different role than God the Son or God the Father. But yet they are unified. They are not in competition with each other. They do not look down upon one with one growing in arrogance and having very little appreciation for the other. Listen, these three verses right here teach volumes in the bare principles that would help all of us use the gifts that God has given us in a way that will humbly serve the kingdom that would be a blessing toward all. Now let's, let's think about a few of these. Let's think about the diversity of gifts. It's pretty clear, isn't it? There's a difference. Whatever ability God has given me it very well may be that God has not given you that same ability and whatever ability God has given you, it very well may be that I don't even have that same ability and it very well could be the case that the person sitting next to you doesn't have the same ability that either one of us has been given. But notice, the Lord doesn't just call it ability here because the emphasis is upon the fact that it has been given to us. And if it's been given to us, that means there's a source from which it came. Where did Philip receive the ability to do such a wonderful job leading singing? 
He didn't gather that on his own. Now, he may have nurtured that ability and used that ability, but the beginning of the, or the origin of that ability was not in Philip. It was what? According to verse 4, that gift was a gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, you look at the ability you have. Where did it come from? It was a gift of the Holy Spirit. And so if one Holy Spirit is giving a multitude of gifts, what Paul is trying to emphasize is, yes, the Holy Spirit gives various, a diversity of gifts. And so if you are starting to think, well, the ability I have, everybody else needs to have that. What Paul is saying is, you don't understand the kingdom. You don't understand the vastness of the work that needs to be done and how necessary it is for us to have varying or differences in the gifts that God has given us. But keeping in mind that its source goes back to God should keep us humble. There's nothing to boast of in and of ourselves because we've all received the gift from the very same source. So it puts us on a level playing field that we work together. But then I'd like for you to notice where he says the diversity of ministries. In the church family, we see ministries that are very diverse. Think about how different it looks to do a ministry of mission work in Ukraine versus the ministry of having a nursery that is kept here on Sundays and Wednesday nights. Those two ministries look so different. But you know what he says there? They're all a part of the same Lord. The body of Christ, the church, is made up of many different ministries. And so if the ladies' ministry looks very different from maybe aspects of jail ministry, it's fine. There is no reason. As a matter of fact, it's ignorant to say if you're in one, well, the other needs to do more like us. Look at the good we do. They need to do things like us. And Paul's writing and saying, that's the problem. You're seeing what you do and you're putting yourself up on a pedestal and you're forgetting that your gift came from God just like this person's gift came from God and you're forgetting that the ministries are needed. How, how big is the kingdom? The kingdom is supposed to be so big and so powerful that it can reach the entire world with everything that people need spiritually to have a relationship and in eternity with God. Now do you think a kingdom that big can be accomplished by just one or two ministries? And by everybody having just one or two gifts or abilities. No, not at all. And so that's when we come to this third one that he mentions in verse 6. There's a diversity of activities or works. Look, the work of evangelism is going to look a lot different at times from the work of benevolence. I'm not saying they don't overlap. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying when you carry out the work of working with young people, it may look very different than the work of working with ladies or with men. It's fine. God designed it that all of these works would look different. So what about you? You use the gift that you have linked up in the ministry where it is appropriate. And you will see the work of God unfold through your life working with those ministries. It's a beautiful thing. Now, as we think about this, I'd like for you to think about this word diversity. In Greek, it is a transliteration of a diaresis. Now, a diaresis is when we see uh, words with the two little dots over a vowel, and the vowel will 
always be beside another vow? What that, those two little dots are telling us is, hey, we are two vowels. And normally in English, the two vowels would be said as one syllable. But these two little dots are telling us, hey, we need to be used as two. We're going to stay beside each other, but we're not going to be said with one syllable. We're going to be said with two syllables. That is literally the transliteration of this word when he speaks about the different gifts, the different ministries, and the differences in works. In other words, if you didn't have those two little dots there, we would say, naive. But those two little dots say, wait, 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 wait. We're going to work independently, but stay together. Naive. On this next slide, you see just a few more examples. The, the name Chloe or Noel. If we didn't have those two little dots there, it'd be Noel. But you see, those two little dots are saying, us two as vows are going to be different, but stick beside each other. Noel, cooperative. If, if you didn't have those two little dots over the O, it would be cooperative. Let this sink in. I don't know if this is going to strike you as, wow, that's interesting and somewhat profound, but here's what I'd love. I'd love it if it would strike you that way because it would help us combat any kind of arrogance that we get when we use our spiritual gifts and we don't appreciate others around us. Look, there's another Greek word for differences that Paul, God, could have used here. But he didn't use that word. He chose this specific word that says, we are different, but we are going to stay beside each other. We are different, but we are going to work in tandem together. There's no reason for your ability to try to mirror somebody else's ability. You need to become like me or I need to become more like you. No, we need to say, you know what? We're working in the same kingdom for the same cause. You carry out your ability and I'll carry out my ability and we'll do it together. I, I, I struggled this week to come up with the illustration. I feel like I failed, so I'm going to embarrass myself. But this is about the best I come up with. Y'all come up with a better one and tell me what it is and, and we'll throw it out next week. But I thought about, I thought about uh, peanut butter and jelly. Maybe I was hungry when I was thinking about this. But, but I was thinking about peanut butter and jelly. What we love to do is we love to mix it together and make one sandwich. Right? I, I don't know how many thousands of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches I've eaten in my life. I love them. All right. And so this is kind of our tendency. We, we like to say, oh, let's mix it all together and make it one. And it's almost here that the Lord is saying, no, no. I made peanut butter. Make you some peanut butter sandwiches. Get you some warm biscuits and... Put some jelly on it, and you can work together in the same meal. You like my meal? You can work together in the same meal. So you're accomplishing the same thing. You're accomplishing the fact you're working together to make a meal. But keep your identity. It's wonderful that we can work together, but don't ever get on some kind of high horse that you think, if you would just become more like me, you would really be a gift to the kingdom. And that's why he chose this word here to say, yes, there are diversities. And I want them to continue to be diverse. 
but I don't ever want them competing with each other. I want them to stay side by side and be a benefit to the greater cause. Now, from this, there is so much that is valuable that we can learn. I'd like for you to notice when we go to the very next verse, uh, look, in, look in verse 7. In verse 7, well, I tell you what, let's rever- review the three things we, we just went over, uh, that Paul just went over, and then let's read verse 7. So let's think about our gifts. Number one, we are nothing without God's gifts. You realize that the word gift is also the same root of grace. Are you saved? If you're saved today, it's because of God's grace. Isn't that interesting? That's the same word he chose to use for our abilities that he has given us. It's grace. It's gifts that he has given us. He's generously given us to use in his service. Number two, I'd like for you to see this. We don't have worthy places to use our somethingness without ministries. How pitiful would it be to say, you know, I've I've got this love for helping babies or helping children and I don't have anywhere to use it. And God says, come and be a part of the church. I'll give you a place to use it and God will receive the glory. See, that's the huge part. We need to be careful when God's given us abilities and the only place we use them is out making a living. And there's nothing wrong with using our abilities to make a living. That's a part of why God made them. So I'm not putting that down completely. I'm just raising awareness. There's something wrong when the only place we use it is in the community and in civic ways. And it's fine to use it there. But there's something wrong when we never see that the ultimate connection is with a broader church body where we work together to give God the glory. And that's the beauty of of saying, I've got this gift of working with children. Well, work with children through the week. Work with children that are your neighbors. Good things can come out of that. But you know what's really awesome? Is when the church works together with their gifts and holds up a community, holds up a church family, holds up an individual. How powerful is the kingdom when we work together side by side And that's the idea here. The third thing that we see is about the action or the works in a broader sense. Our gifts being used in various ministries lead to various activities. And they're not all the same. And we need to respect that and honor that. But I'd like for you to notice 1 Corinthians 12 and 7. And there's a triplicate of thought here in this short little verse. And and once we finish this, I'm just going to give you some bullets, uh, bullet points of the last part of uh, the rest of this chapter and the lesson's yours. But but please get these three things here. Notice he's just talked about four, five, and six. We've just broken that down. And this is his transition out of six to go into the rest of the chapter. And he says this, but the manifestation of the Spirit. To manifest something is to hold it up, to exhibit it, Hey, are you seeing this? I want to manifest this. I want to hold it up. It's to express it. Are you listening to this? Maybe you've been ignorant about this. I want to tell you this. That's what God is saying. So he says, what about in our life if the manifestation of the Spirit is given to whom? To each one. Remember we studied last week, 1 Peter 4. Every time almost God speaks about spiritual gifts, he emphasizes the fact that everyone has one. There's not anybody here that doesn't have a spiritual gift. And, And so... We're going to manifest the Spirit, and it's given to each one, what? For the profit of all. You want to show that the Spirit of God is active in your life. Show it by using the ability He has given you to serve the greater church family. And in that, the greater church family serves the whole world. The greater church family reaches out as the best neighbor in the neighborhood. The greater church family reaches around the world in evangelism. The greater 
the, the, the greater church family reaches out benevolently to people that are hurting locally and all over the world. How do we do that? Each one of us manifesting the Spirit. Wow, I can see how God has blessed you with great abilities. He's given you a gift. And I see how you don't use it selfishly. You work right along with the kingdom. And you hold up not only a ministry, but a work that God is doing. It's really, really powerful. So as we just scan some things, I'd like for you to notice this. In the 12th chapter, the word body is used 18 times from verse 12 to 27. And if you want to take and study this this afternoon or make notes of study it this week, it's interesting how he takes this one of the most complex physical creations that God made, which is the human body. And he says, now let me show you the beauty and the complexity of the spiritual body that I have created. So in the 12th chapter in verse 12, we learn that there are many members, just like there are many members of the physical body. And if there are not many members, there, it's not the one body of Christ. You got that? If in your mind, everybody needs to be like you, you're not a part of the body of Christ, at least in your thinking. I'm not saying you become excommunicated. I'm just saying like in your understanding of the body of Christ, you're really confused. The body of Christ has many members and it's one body. And then we go to the 12th chapter in verse 13 and verse 14. And we see that if we're not open to all nationalities, it's not the one body of Christ. It doesn't matter if we're Jew. It doesn't matter if we're Greek. It doesn't matter if we're slave. It doesn't matter if we're, we're, we're free. In other words, we're all a part of the body of Christ, whether we're talking locally in an individual congregation or we're talking about a universal kingdom of God. Both should be true, that it's always open to all. And then when we go in verse 15, 16, and 17, we see the diversity of works illustrated especially by the physical body where he says, let's talk about the foot and the hand. You know the different functions they have. Let's talk about the ear and the eye and even the nose. You understand how foolish would it be to think that the eye is only going to do and function for the eye's sake. No, the eye functions so that the hand can see what it's reaching, so that the feet can see where they're going. The hand reaches out, not for the hand's sake, but so that it can serve someone else or serve even the body. And we can go on and on. You understand those. It's never about yourself. And then we go to the 12th chapter in verse 18, and we're reminded that it's God's creation of the church body. I love this verse. About this topic, this is my favorite verse in the Bible. In verse 18, but now God has set the members... Each one of them, the emphasis again on every one of us, in the body, just as he pleased. The kingdom is so huge and its, its purpose is magnificent and its mission is mind-boggling. God looks down and says, the reason I've put you at the Mount Juliet congregation is because I have a mission here. And if you do your part and the person around you does their part and everybody does their part, we're going to have everybody here we need to accomplish what God's will is. That's amazing. It truly is amazing. And so let's let God create us in that way. And then we see in the 12th chapter in verse 21, 22, 23, and 24 that all the members are necessary. And by that, in 21, it's emphasized we need each other. In 22, even the weaker. But then in 23 and 24, God composed that's an interesting word he uses there. Compose the body, giving worth to the ones. Now notice this, we think are less worthy. And so the idea here is we need each other. 
Does your lungs need your heart, need your brain, your hands, need your eyes, need your feet? We all need each other if we understand our source and our purpose. And he says, you might by nature look over and think that there are some members that have a weaker ability. And he says, just know that's in your mind. They're not weaker. They're absolutely needed. It's just in your mind you think they're weaker. I studied this week trying to figure out how to illustrate that because I believe if there's anything that, that we need to bring alive is the idea, what would be the percentage here of people thinking, well, the, the church at Mount Juliet just goes on whether I'm there or not. I assure you this. It doesn't go on the way God has planned it to go on. Now, because I am up front, there might be someone that would foolishly think David is more important to the work there than I am. And God would say, you are ignorant. You really need to see what I have planned for using your abilities. This morning, I hope that all of us are determined to figure out, God, how did you make me and what did you give me and how can I use it? Because everybody in the Lord's kingdom is important. And that leads us to 25 and 26, where we should have great care for each other. There should be no divisions. And there also should never be sorrow alone. And there also should not be rejoicing alone. God's plan is that we sorrow with each other and when one is given honor, we rejoice with each other because that's what the body of Christ does. And then as we go to 1 Corinthians 12, 31, we see that there is a more excellent way that we're to use our gifts and that's the introduction for the 13th chapter of love. And for that we learn that without love, However, we would live our life and use our gifts is nothing, he says in the first three verses. And then he gives all of those verbs in verse 4, 5, 6, and 7 to show how we use our life of gifts in a way that's meaningful to others. And then, remember he says about love that it never fails. We can fail in the way we live our life with each other. Uh, we can disappoint ourselves. We can disappoint others. We can disappoint God. But we won't fail in the way we live our life for others if we practice love. And so this morning, I ask you to please see your worth, see your value. God has amazing things planned for you, for each one. You can show and manifest the Spirit by the way that you use your life in serving one another by the way that you serve God. This morning, is there anything that we can do to help you take steps towards God? Do you see your value? Do you see your worth? If we could help you this morning, you're ready to be immersed into Christ, or if you need prayers for forgiveness, if, if you need further study, however we could meet you. But please know this. If you feel like, I really don't have any idea what my purpose is and how to serve in the greater church body. John Michael is our involvement minister and that's just some fancy title to say he seeks to help every one of us accomplish 1 Corinthians 12. That's all it is because it's that important. 
please, please don't go through your days talking about what they do up there at church. Don't let that ever come out of your mouth again. Live in such a way so you can say, this is what we do. If you're a part of the Lord's kingdom, you, with the gifts that God has given you, ought to be as much a part of this kingdom work as anybody. And we'd love to help you. If we can help you, come.